Howdy, this is Scott Selinger, and welcome to the podcast on behalf of the Northern California's chapter of the American College of Physicians, Council of Early Career Physicians. I should note, I'm thinking about calling the podcast ABCs for ECPs, ECPs being Early Career Physicians. This seemed a little more legit than the original working title, modeled after my favorite phrase to hear from a patient, Can I be real with you? One of my biggest concerns starting off my medical career is staying up to date. Through medical school and residency, it seemed like so much time was devoted to learning about new, practice-altering information because I was always trying to catch up with and impress my attendings with things they hadn't heard of. At the end of residency, I think I was subscribed to at least 10 different journals and newsletters on top of the e-newsletters and listservs, and trying to peruse through all of them was just something I felt I had to do every week. I was always searching for that one little nugget of information that would make life better and easier for my patients and for myself. But now I'm out, and I'm practicing in a busy setting and having trouble finding the time to do as much reading and research. But I still feel that need, that pressure, to stay up to date on all the breaking evidence. Now, of course, we're required to have our continuing medical education and doing things now to fulfill our EBIM maintenance of certification requirements, but that's not my real driving force. I'm sure we've all seen patients either coming into the hospital or transferring to a new clinic on a bizarre, outdated medication regimen, and my fear is ultimately becoming one of those physicians. While there's not a fantastic amount of high-quality data out there, a systematic review published in the Annals of Internal Medicine about 10 years ago looked at 62 studies regarding various outcomes relative to physicians' years of practice. Almost 75% of these studies showed decreasing guideline adherence in a variety of performance and outcome measures with increasing years of experience. And that scares me a little bit. Now, I'm sure, like all studies, there's geographic and practice-setting variants, but overall it makes sense that the more entrenched you get into the everyday world of patient care, the harder it is to be able to step back and assess your own practice and the advancing practices of those around you. To put it more simply, I feel like I'm Rocky in Rocky III. I've come from being a little nothing to an attending physician. I've knocked out Apollo Creed twice, med school and then again in residency, and now I'm riding high and taking pictures and even doing podcasts. But I know somewhere out there is Clubber Lang, some new kid on the block or some new piece of data that's hungry and slowly working its way up the chain. And if I don't do enough to stay on top of my game, I'm going to get knocked out. So what is an early career physician to do? Well, to help get some guidance, I spoke with Dr. Gupreet Dhaliwal, a clinician educator and associate professor of clinical medicine at UCSF, who has particular interest in medical education and clinical and diagnostic performance and improvement. Dr. Dhaliwal, thanks so much for joining me today. So I guess to dive right in... What mistakes do you feel physicians make starting out as far as what they try to do with staying up to date with all the recent advances and new papers and things like that? I think it's hard to make a mistake in terms of trying to stay up to date, but just doing that itself uh, is a good effort. It's a commitment to lifelong learning. I think one of the mistakes that might be made is that thinking the best way you're going to do service to yourself and your patients is keeping up with all the new studies that are coming out. Um, a lot of the new studies are alluring and interesting, but a lot of the research doesn't change our day-to-day practice. They're more, they're more news than they are information you can use. Uh, so I wouldn't uh, heavily prioritize reading uh, research articles. I know, I know there's now tons of different ways 
that everything's being published. What do you feel are becoming the most common ways that people are using to stay up to date with the changing practices? I think one of the best ways to stay up to date is to recognize that you sort of have two or three different streams of learning from the literature that come to you. Um, on one level are things where you just literally get them as a headline. These may be uh, scanning e-table of contents that come by email, uh, maybe seeing um, even popular news alerts about uh, big research. Um, and then there's another layer of things where you get a uh, more in-depth but still relatively brief report on something like a podcast or a summary of the article uh, that comes from Journal Watch or ACP Journal Club or something along those lines. And then finally, there's that, those moments where you sit down and actually read something in depth. And by that, I mean you're starting to commit more than 15 to 20 minutes of reading. Um, and when you do that, I think those episodes are actually few and far between. Uh, but that's when you have to choose whether you're going to read a research article in depth, a review article in depth, or maybe read a case in depth. Um, but there's different ways the information is streaming to us, and part of that is how much time we have to commit to each one of them. I think a good strategy is that on a daily basis, you're getting that headline stream through your inbox uh, and on your phone, and then uh, with some period, just you give yourself a little bit more healthier snacks from the literature, like um, reading uh, Journal Watch, and then at least once a week, you commit to more structured reading, either based on stuff that you have for your patients or your own general reading. What, what do you feel are the most efficient things that you do in those areas as far as uh, which, which services or anything like that? I, I would describe what I do as sort of cross-training. That is to say I give myself the same messages multiple different ways so I know that the information exists even though I haven't necessarily read it in depth. So, for instance, I, I will um, get the key table of contents for a lot of the medical journals that I uh to, and that means I get to see at least what's out there, even if I never click through to any of those articles. Then I, I listen to the podcast on a weekly basis on some of the meat for the, some of the major internal medicine journals. So I hear the message a second time there, and sometimes it's a little more nuanced or a little bit deeper. And then um, I oftentimes have a, I'll then in a week or two's time I'll wind up catching up by reading uh, Journal Watch or ACP Journal Club, and that's where I'll get uh, perhaps the most depth I'm going to get on the new research. Uh, that's out there. And usually that's all I need to be aware of that research, to have heard the message one or two or maybe three times. If I ever actually need that research to take care of a patient and make a decision, that's when I'll find myself actually looking at the article in more depth and saying, does it apply or not? And I guess as far as, as, far as knowing how often to cross-train, I mean, how often in a you know, given year do you think you hear something or read something that's you know, truly practice changing versus a lot of very small, you know, well, this is this may be interesting down the line. Yeah, I would say, I, I bet, I, I'm sure there are figures on this, but I bet for a, a general hospitalist or general internist that probably 90% of what I read or hear about is interesting intellectually or potentially for patients in the future, and maybe 10% is news that I can use and I'm going to change what I do today. But a lot of times I'm saying I'll, I'll change what I'm doing today because I have heard about the same topic for a number of months or a number of years in other places. So there's a value to being aware that the literature or field is moving in some direction. Like there's a change coming up about that. I'm hearing this being said one, two, or three times. Or people are looking to change this practice in COPD. I remember an article last year, and now I'm hearing it again. And this third time, it seems like it's really hit and it's time to change my practice. So sometimes I, today's the day I'm changing, but there's a benefit from having 
I guess finally, um, since we are you know c- coming to people on a podcast right now, what uh, what do you think of the podcast as a way to help you keep up to date? And what what are some of your favorite ones? I think the podcast has been one of the best ways that I keep up to date. I uh, listen to the uh, podcast for the Big Five journals in internal medicine: NEJM, JAMA, Annals, uh, BMJ, and The Lancet. Uh, and there are other ones that have weekly podcasts as well. But what I really like is each one of them is different. Uh, some of them, like JAMA, are sort of 10 minutes, and they just briefly summarize each of the articles. Some of them are long, like the NEJM takes about 25 minutes to give you a, a broad overview of the whole uh, issue. Some, like the BMJ or the Lancet, they go into specific detail about one of the articles that's in the paper or in the journal that week that they really like. And I have to say, those are oftentimes subjects I wouldn't find myself reading about, uh, but after I hear the in-depth report, I feel uh, quite a bit more informed. So there's just a lot to learn. And then there's just the practicality. We're all searching for time to keep up with the literature. And I listen to those podcasts, for instance, when I'm exercising or when I'm in my commute. And so I'm able to use that time in a way I wouldn't uh, otherwise keep up. So I think uh, there's a lot to like about podcasts. And I encourage everyone to try a couple of them because it's part of that cross-training approach where you just get to hear and interact with the material in a different way. I really like his idea about cross-training, although that term seems a little 90s for me, so instead I might call it mental crossfit to give it more edge. But what do y'all do in your day-to-day practice? Does this sound like something doable to you, or do you still feel like you're getting overloaded with breaking news and alerts? As always, we'd love to hear your feedback on this, so if you have any burning questions or comments, you can post them on our Facebook page or email them to canocecp at gmail.com. And if you had time, be sure to head on over to our Facebook page for the Northern California chapter of the ACP Council of Early Career Physicians so you can find out more about the events going on in the chapter. And just to try out a new closing, thanks for joining me and tune in next time for more, AC, for more ABCs from ECPs, two ECPs as well.